Welcome back, listeners. I am beyond excited to share this week's episode with you because I was lucky enough to be joined by one of my favorite authors, Lauren Kate. So Lauren Kate is mostly known for her incredible series, Fallen, um, that is still is still going gangbusters and is mine and so many of my friends' um, favorite books and favorite series. And yeah, I got to sit down with Lauren and chat to her about becoming a writer and how her journey started um, from becoming a ghostwriter to working in publishing the exact moment that the Fallen series came to her, being able to be part of the movie adaption when Fallen was turned into a movie as well, um, sticking true to her overall genre, which is romance and how incredible she is at writing romance um, elements throughout all her stories and particularly her new book by any other name and becoming the enigma um, and the story behind what really led her to her newest book by any other name as well. She shares so much wisdom and so much great advice um, for any up and coming writer. Uh, so I know that everyone will absolutely enjoy this episode. Yes, to getting a contact with Lauren, um, have a look in the show notes, all her details are there. But um, yeah, enjoy everyone. And also, if you want to win a copy by any other name, please head to oliviahillier.com slash podcast and a copy of her brand new book could be being sent straight to your door. Writer's Advice is a point of connection, a dose of inspiration and an insight into the creative process of the babes behind the books. I'm your host, Olivia Hillier. Each week, I'll be interviewing authors from around the globe on their creative process and how they got to where they are today and what it's really like inside the industry of publishing. So listen in, take notes, and I hope you walk away inspired, ready to take on the next level of your writing wherever you are in your journey. Welcome back, listeners. I am very excited because this week we have the fabulous Lauren Kate joining us. Now, you would have heard of Lauren through her many, many works, but mostly um, the Fallen series, which is one of my absolute favorites. And you have so many great romances now under your belt as well, including your newest by any other name. So thank you for joining us, Lauren. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Now, I'm going to start the podcast with the same question I ask everyone, and I want to know, when was the first time that you knew that you were a writer? Um, well, it was probably my seventh grade English teacher who was a, a force of terror in my life. Um, she, she taught an English course for two years when I was in seventh and eighth grade, and one of our assignments was to keep a journal. Um, and we, any page that we didn't want her to read that was private, we could fold over. And, um, it was an assignment that we kept going for the entire two years of, you know, that chunk of time. Um, I found myself during that time so mortified by the realities of my own life that I began to invent, um, scenarios, I mean, things that really happened to me, but in which I was much more heroinely than I had actually been in my real life. And I just found myself like getting so drawn into this assignment of crafting a fictional version of myself where I was the way that I wanted to be. And um, I remember sending it, turning it into her at the end of that time. I think I filled up two or three full 
journals and like dumped them on her desk. I feel like I took it way more seriously than the other students in the class. And I remember like coming home from summer camp at the end of that year and getting the, the package mailed back from her. Um, I had written so much and I thought I would get something you know, significant back from her. And I flipped to the very last page of the last journal and she wrote, um, I, it was like five words. She wrote, Lauren, you are an enigma, keep writing. No one had ever encouraged me to keep writing before. And I did not know what enigma meant, but when I looked it up in the dictionary, I was like, that's, that is not what I am, but that's what I want to be. And it just felt like the whole project was this, this exercise in becoming the kind of person and the kind of writer and the kind of, the kind of enigma that I dreamed of being. And so that was, that was the origin. She was the first person to encourage me and she was so specific in her encouragement that, um, I don't know, I, I, I don't think I would be a writer today if it weren't for her. Wow, that's such a beautiful story. And it's so true. It's the power of specifically teachers in our lives that, that can help um, guide in that way. So what's gone from grade seven to, yeah, did you study, did you study writing after that or yeah? I did. I mean, I, I didn't grow up in a house or in a community or family that, that knew creative types that like had access to like, what is it like to be an adult who is an artist or a writer or a dancer or whatever. Um, to me, like the creative fields were things that children did mm -hmm. and you grew out of them and you got a serious job. And, um, I think for a while, I just assumed that writing would always be something I love to do, but surely not something I was actually able to call myself um, professionally. I think I like whatever my big brother was doing academically, I just tried to do whatever he was doing because he was getting a lot of praise for that. So I just sort of stuffed myself into those same classes. But I did in college stumble into a creative writing class, met my first novelist in the flesh. He held up his book and then taught us, you know, how to do it. And I think it, in some ways it was that simple for me, just having someone model that like, I get up every day and I write, and this is how I do it. And this is what I think about. And these are the things that help me. And this is what's hard about it. Um, I, I really just needed to see that that was a possibility. And from that moment on, I was like, it was the only thing I wanted to do. I completely shaped my life around the pursuit of becoming a writer and just sort of all things bookish. So I did major in creative writing in college. I like drove up with a friend after college and was in, intent on getting a job in publishing so I could learn how stories became books. Um, I worked in publishing as an editor for five years. I went to grad school to, for creative writing. So from, from that moment on in college, it was really like a full on <laughs> hard press into the writing life. Um, but yeah, I guess I wish that I had, I wish that I had been raised from a younger age to see myself that way, to, to give myself permission to pursue the arts um, more seriously. Cause it kind of, it like was like somebody knocked me on the head with it at a certain point. And um, I don't know, it might've it might been a more gentle <laughs> lift off otherwise. <laughs> yeah and I understand what you mean and it, it it is a shame that it's not always it's more rare to have the, you know a creative dream be nurtured from a young age because it's seen as seen as such an out there thing um that people can achieve but your 
the walking example of that. If you if you have a, a dream and you put your head towards that, you can absolutely become that. So, when was the first when was the first moment that you started writing your first book? And what was if it was your first book one that was, has been published, or did you play around with a couple of manuscripts? No, my first two books were not published, and I started writing the first one when I was in college, and then I wrote the second one kind of out of college and into graduate school. And both of them had the same problem, which was that they were full of like fascinating and eccentric characters who just did nothing. Like plot is not a, it's not a natural um, skill of mine. My, my skill is really in characterization. And so plot is something that I had to learn and I resisted learning it for a really long time. And I, you know, the kind of books that I liked reading didn't necessarily rely on plot as much. And so I just felt like, oh, I guess it doesn't matter. Um, even though I think that the the kinds of books I'm referring to, there is a beautiful plot. It's just so understated and and invisible almost that it's it's highly executed, but um, but it it's in such a way that it lets these other elements shine. Um, and so my first two books, that I probably spent a total of, I don't know, seven, eight years writing um, and, and sent out to like anyone who would possibly publish them and was just rejected, rejected, rejected. I had like a whole, this was in the day of like paper rejections. I have a whole shoebox with like 76 rejection letters. Um, but then I, this is around the same time I was working in publishing, I was working commercial publishing and I was learning how to edit other writers' work and learning how their plots were constructed and being able to, you know, having the perspective to look at somebody else's work and be like, oh, here's where the B story falls off or here's where you're really not reaching your, the climax you, you know, that the reader is expecting or, you know, what, whatever it might be that was plot related, I was getting schooled on how to, how to help other people do that and then just sort of gradually with my own writing caught up to that. Um, I think that what ultimately helped me the most, I was um, approached by a friend, you know, like the publishing world of, of young assistants. It's a very, there's a lot of camaraderie because we're all so broke and overworked and like we're all incredibly passionate about working in, in books and working on stories. Um, and, and also like very overtaxed and very undervalued. And so there was, you know, I had a lot of good friends from that era and one of them came up to me one day and she said I know you're like you're trying to to write and I know somebody who needs a ghostwriter for this um young adult uh like commercial series and there's a couple books in the series have been published and the person who's been writing them doesn't want to do it anymore they need somebody who can write this book in two weeks and they gave me an outline and you know obviously I had the other two books to to go off of, but like looking at that outline and then just following it and just like, here's the chapter where she has the fight with her best friend. Here's the chapter where da 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 da. Um, that sort of plot construction being so basic, I, I learned a ton about how to structure a kind of like commercially satisfying narrative, which I just, that, that was not, I don't know if I would, when or how I would have figured that out otherwise. But that was the piece that had been missing for me with my first two manuscripts that by the time I started to write Fallen, I knew how to do it. I knew how the plot had to go so that my characters could, could make readers feel the things that I wanted them to feel. Yeah, that's, that's excellent. And so you've gone from that moment 
I think that's great. Did you did you end up doing the? You ended up doing the full book writing. Yeah, I, I wrote four um four of these pseudonymous novels. My my pseudonym was Jay Minter. This oh my god, I love that. <laughs> They're very like um this is like in the Gossip Girl era. Yeah, and yeah. So it's like a rich girl in New York City just having fun and going to parties and getting into trouble. So they were very fun to write and they were like a crash course in narrative for me. Yeah, that's excellent. And so you've gone from that to then writing Fallen. Is it, is it, is, was, was the Fallen series under the same genre of, as what you had written in the other two books that didn't get published? No, not really. Um, the other two books were, I hadn't ever written anything with fantasy elements before. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I liked reading that a lot. Um, but it was, and, and I had largely, when I was in publishing, I had largely been editing books in that genre. But no, they were just sort of straightforward, contemporary, like, I don't know, women's fiction is what you call it today. Um, they were just stories about girls and women, you know, not doing anything at all, just be, being on the page. Um, but yeah, I, I was taking one of the classes I, I took in my graduate um, program was a literature course about the Bible. And um it was just like looking at the text of the Bible the way you would look at like the Great Gatsby. And so the first day of class, the in, the professor is going over um, Genesis, just early Genesis. And there's this line about the sons of God looking down from heaven, seeing mortal women, thinking they're beautiful. It's That's a, really all the line says. But my professor suggested that this, like this moment of attraction um, may be the reason that the angels were ultimately kicked out of heaven because for a moment they put something above God. Mm. And I loved that idea. Like everything I've ever written, including the two unpublished bad books have, has been a love story. Mm-hmm. And so I love this idea of like, those are some high stakes for a love story. You have to give up your place in heaven as an angel for love. Um, like, ca- can I write the story that makes that sacrifice worth it? And so Fallen is what came out of that. Yeah. And that is, I think that is what you've been such an expert at is creating these realistic, great characters, but then putting in these, these bits of fantasy that, you know, it almost feels like it could be your own, your own world. It it becomes, it becomes so real. So how was the process of then getting Fallen published and were you expecting how crazy big it would be? And and sorry, another question on top of that. Did you realize it was going to be a series at the start? Um, I did know that it was going to be a series from quite early on. Um, you know, it just, it was just one of those stories that like kept, ex- as I began to think about it, it, just kept getting bigger and bigger. And obviously like dealing with these theological concepts and the backbone of the Bible, it's just like, it was sort of endless how much there was to explore. Um, so I saw it stretching out beyond one book from the beginning. I think I thought it was going to be three books. And then when the editor who ended up, um, buying it, she, she envisioned this prequel, which became passion. I think, uh, passion was, is it's the third book in the series. It was so brutal to write because it bops like are all around. It's probably 6,000 years of history. Um, but now that it's finished and I don't have to write it anymore, it is my favorite book in the series. I think it's the most, it's the most sort of generically interesting. Um, like the form is very interesting to me. It's the one where we get Daniel's point of view as well. 
Um, so anyway, yeah, that wasn't something I saw at the beginning, but it's it's become to me like one of the, the coolest parts of the series. Um, and then the road to publication, it was interesting because I had, you know, I, with these other books, I had tried and tried and tried and like got nothing. And then when Fallen, um, when I had, you know, kind of enough of an idea and the sample chapters and the plan for the um, proposal, and by that point I was working with an agent, um, it just, it kind of happened very quickly. Um, some of that is just like the luck of the right timing, like the young adults paranormal series world was, um, having a, a having a moment and I just like got in got in there as that moment was unfolding so I knew I knew um having worked in publishing having bought books bought you know authors manuscripts that we were so excited about and like couldn't wait to get into a zillion readers hands I knew that my publisher was invested in Fallen and I also knew that sometimes that investment pays off and sometimes it just doesn't like with amazing books that everybody should read it just mm -hmm. for whatever reason doesn't land so I think I went into the publication of Fallen still like knowing a lot more than maybe an author who doesn't have that publishing experience but also knowing like it's a total crapshoot it could go any any way um so yeah it, it was a surprise that that readers responded to it so quickly and were so excited about the series. Um, I think it's always a surprise. I don't think you can ever really prepare for that. Yeah, yeah. And it's 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 a beautiful thing. And well, it's a great story that you've gifted everyone. But you're so right. You never really, how can you, you never really know where anything is going to go. You just have to put it out in the world and see who likes it and, and go from there. Yeah. So what was the process of, when your book was made into a movie how is that like for you and did you get to much say in the adaption or yeah ultimately I did it was a really really long process um it probably it took maybe seven years mm. from the time that it was optioned which was like right when the book the first book came out until the time that it was in theaters um and it went through so many different changes it was like optioned multiple times by multiple different studios and then they would kind of try to get it, the ball rolling and time would run out mm -hmm. and they'd send it back and it would go to somebody else and they'd try and the same thing um and it was interesting and I mean at the t in the early days it was very frustrating for me because I think it was hard for the people who were working on it to like figure out their approach uh, so the first people wanted to make it into a thriller, which like it has thrilling moments. It has a couple moments of like heightened drama and like people die and stuff, but that's really not the thrust of the story. Like, I don't, I think at first people didn't want to acknowledge that it, it's really just a love story. And like, if you honor what the, the, the readership likes about the series, which is the love story, um, the whole thing, there's a lot more grease <laughs> to make the thing like actually operate. Um, but that it took a really long time to get people on board who understood that. When we finally did, it was the director, Scott Hicks, who came in and was just like, ha had a vision that that matched my own. And I feel like matched the um, matched the feeling of the, the readers who cared about the books, which was really my my 
dream and hope and goal the entire time. So Scott Hicks changed the course of things. And once he came in to the picture, I don't even remember when that was, maybe 2014 or something, you know, it was a, quite a while after I had first optioned it. Um, then things started to move very quickly and we got a great cast and we went to Budapest and filmed it. And it was like very magical to be part of that in that era. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I liked the movie so much and I really liked um, getting to know and spend time with the cast and experiencing it just like in this new visual media. It was, it was a great deal of fun in the end. Yeah that's being able to see what you've created come to life physically but then also being able to be involved in that I can't even imagine it would be such a surreal experience how do I one thing I want to touch on though is how do you go with the patient side of things because obviously (laughs) this is something from 2009 and then you know having that auctioned and then you know not getting things started to 2014 but really that's kind of the reality of the publishing world in general. Do you have any advice on on patients in the industry? Yeah, I mean, I, as I was say, telling that story, I was thinking like, it's, so, it's very similar to my own writing, like just mm-hmm. working for so many years, sending it out everywhere, left and right, nobody getting it, me not understanding what to do. And then like, when you have a thing, the thing that's right, when it's working, it can move so fast. Um, and so I, I don't... Um, I don't think that there is a solution to the patients. Um, and I don't think you can ever anticipate how it's gonna go. The thing that I always hear and that helps me is that the part of the part of this process that you can't control is what you are creating. And so when you're waiting, you've sent it out and you're waiting for that agent to say yes or no, you know, for the hundredth time that this all the people you've been sending it to, um, you can't control when they're gonna read it or what they're gonna say you can control what you're writing now. And so to put that, any kind of anxiety or um, impatience that that is completely natural, um, it's a lot of energy and there are much better uses for that energy. There are things that you can do with it um, and that's write something else that's wonderful and that you're passionate about because um, the next thing is always, I don't know, it's, you always want to have the next thing going cogitating in your mind in some way um and then the other thing I'll say is that it really only takes one person to say yes and open a door and then all the paths that felt closed off for weeks or months or years maybe they're open yeah 100% and it's like keep that passion alive if if it's what you want to do keep on doing it that's excellent so what does your writing routine look now um compared to back when you were first publishing or when um, you first wrote Fallen to now just releasing by any other name? Um, I think I've gotten better at knowing my own writing process, knowing the things that are useful to me. And this is the thing, like when I work with writers now, I teach um, some classes in creative writing. And I think like getting in touch with your own process is so valuable because it's a, it's another energy saver. You know, if you know that you work best when you have a three hour chunk of time and like with the background noise of a busy coffee shop and your dog at your feet, like recreate that 
exact scene as many times as you possibly can. Don't sit down at 7.30 at night when your brain is offline and you've got 45 minutes. You're probably gonna generate a page of total junk. I, but there are other people who are like amazing at 7 p.m. for 45 minutes and they should never try to write in a busy coffee shop. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like, think about the, the, the bursts of creativity and inspiration and, and, and writing momentum that you have achieved and then think about what helped you to achieve that you know and it, and it can be the, just like these kind of boring mundane pieces of life um but if you know if you can identify them and and make them happen again and again then you have less kind of excuses for why it didn't go well today um so so for me it's like a totally it's a silent room i don't want to see or talk to anybody I, I do need more than two hours. Like if I only have an hour and a half, I'm not going to get, I'm barely going to even get into it. Um, so I like to write for like about five hours a day. And I always have to go on a walk with my dog, a hike beforehand, because I compose the first few sentences in my mind. And then I just sit down and I, I fill up the page with a few ideas. Um, so that there is no blank page. Cause I think I used to spend just hours staring out the window. Like, how do I get going today? I have no idea. I think when my body is moving, there's something that unlocks a scene for me. So that's how I start. And then um, bedroom slippers, lots of coffee and quiet. And I just, you know, as many days of a week as I can, can recreate that while I'm drafting something, that's what I try to do. Yeah. I just want to guesswork out of it for myself. Yeah. I am are you someone that's mostly inspired by words? I'm only saying that is because you've heard that one quote which is it unlocks the whole idea for fallen and then you're like, if I just get these one or two sentences, like yeah. is what kind of yeah, what what is your inspiration around that? Do you read poetry or little things like that that kind of yeah, get it get your brain going? Uh, yeah, my husband is a poet and so there's a lot of poetry wow. in the house. And when I'm kind of on an idea, um you know, like right now, if I'm thinking, I'm thinking about this, the next rom-com that I'm working on and kind of trying to get as much in that world as I can and getting to know these new characters. And it's, oh, it's always a, like a creaky process at the beginning because everything is so strange to you, even in a world that like you might've been thinking about writing for a couple of years when you actually start writing it and you've got to figure out how the character walks into a room, you have no idea. You just don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I've, will find a poem, you know, stuck to my computer that kind of resonates with the thing that I was talking to him about the day before. Um, and yeah, I think, I think music is really useful. I, I also, when I'm in a, for me, the drafting process, like the first draft, it's so painful and so hard anyway, that I try to do as many things to make it easier on myself as possible. So like, if I'm gonna watch a movie or read a book during the drafting era, it's all very clearly like feeding that world that I'm mm. trying to create. If I'm, you know, when I was, I was writing my historical fiction novel, which is about set in Venice in the, in the um, 18th century, just everything I was watching was about Vivaldi and, you know, Carnival and just like historical documentaries or, or else um, something that, you know, it could be a, a kind of esoteric connection to the mm. story, but something that's going to help me is that's the media that I'm consuming when I'm in the drafting phase. Yeah, really involve yourself in that world. That's um that's a great 
tip as well. Now, I want to hear about by any other name because I did read somewhere that it's kind of based on something that happened to you. Is that correct? Because I feel like you've done this full 180 now from like grade seven to to this new book coming out. Yeah. And then actually... I think about that a lot. I think this is the first thing I've ever written that's at all autobiographical. Um, and it is very similar to my seventh grade journals. It's a story that happened to me that was awful and embarrassing at the time. And I knew even as it was happening, it was a breakup that happened very unexpectedly, kind of like the rug pulled out from underneath me and I handled it terribly. And I knew as I was handling it terribly, that someday I was going to think it was funny. And I didn't realize that I was going to write the, the book version of it would be the, per, the, the heroine behaving the way I wish I had. Um, but that is how this book turned out. Yeah, so I'll tell you briefly what it's based on. But this era I've referenced when I was living in New York and working in publishing and very passionate about my the time that I spent on other people's books um, and like bringing these stories into the world. Um, I was dating this guy who, who was stationed in the Middle East and we both had a week off and we agreed to fly to Italy. We were gonna meet in Italy and ride a motorcycle down the Amalfi Coast for a week. And it was a really big swing for me financially at the time. I drained my bank account to buy the plane ticket and um, everyone I knew was saying, this is like so romantic. You're totally going to come back engaged. And I got off the plane, like didn't even make it to baggage claim. And the guy dumped me and I was, you know, young enough and poor enough and totally bewildered enough that I didn't even know what to do. And I spent the whole next week with him hanging onto the back of his motorcycle, going around these hairpin turns over the cliff, like thinking I was going to die because riding on somebody's motorcycle is like, all about trust and if you don't trust the person who's just completely betrayed and dumped you um it was a terror terrorizing experience um and yeah i knew like hanging on to the back i was like if i make it out of this alive <laughs> one day i'm gonna have to write the story where this girl is more of a heroine than i'm being right now um and that's where the story came from Oh, I love that. And I'm so glad that that, I'm so glad that this is out in the world. That's, that's a story. Well, I'm, I'm not glad that happened to you, but I'm, I'm <laughs> I am at this point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a silver lining now. <laughs> now, uh, thank you so much for joining us. This has been just an absolutely wonderful chat. Is there any other words of advice that you would pass on to someone who's either writing their first manuscript or they're toiling on an idea right now and 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 wanting to bring it out into the world yeah I, I think the most the simplest and the most important advice that I am so glad someone told me once I really needed to hear it was to finish your terrible first draft even when you know it sucks even when you have 75 other much better ideas it's very important to finish sometimes just so that you know that you are capable of finishing and sometimes because there actually is a great idea within your terrible first draft, but you've got to go back and do, you know, two, three rounds of revision before you can even see it. Um, Trust that your subconscious is leaving a lot of breadcrumbs for you to go back and find your way. Um, But you never get to get there until you finish that first draft. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, so true. Thank you so much. And if people want to get in contact with you, see what other work you've got coming up, where, where, is that, where are we best to find you? Um, 
any social media channels, I'm usually under Lauren Kate Books and um, yeah, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. I'm I am findable and um, yeah, I hope you'll check out by any other name. Thank you yes. so much for having me, Olivia. Absolutely, thank you. Thanks so much for listening in to another incredible episode, guys. And I do always forget to mention, we do have a Facebook group. So you can head to Writer's Advice Community. Um, just search Writer's Advice Podcast Community in the Facebook search bar and you will find our group. So click on there if you're looking to find like-minded writers, readers who are going through the same thing. If you're working on a manuscript or you've got a new um project at all that you're working on that you want to connect with then please join us there until then i'll see you on next week's episode